Hi there, and welcome to the Ones to Watch podcast. Here we discuss exciting technology companies with their founders and CEOs leading their industries, going deep on strategy, success, and their plans for future industry disruption and domination. I'm Paul Quatricasas, founder and CEO of Aqua Partners and creator of the Ones to Watch podcast. Stay on after the show, and we'll share with you how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing podcasts in our industry. With that, let's get started. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ones to Watch, brought to you by Aqua Partners. I'm your host, Rye Russell, and I am so excited to be a part of this show, and I'm really excited to introduce to you the founder of Aqua Partners, and with me today, Paul Quatricasas. Thank you so much for the opportunity to host this show and to be a part of Aqua Partners. My pleasure, Rye. Good to be here today. Thank you for that. Well, Paul, we have an incredible lineup of guests coming up on this show, all individuals that have utilized technology to help us in our mission of saving the world. And I am curious, you know, you have extensive background in mergers and acquisitions, but I'm curious, where did the passion come from for the sustainable tech? Well, I, look, you, you know, I get, it's a long story. I'll try and keep it short. Basically, when you do something for a very long time, you start to develop a sixth sense. So I think since uh, I've been doing M&A in technology and telecom and, and internet media companies for nearly 30 years now, uh, it, it started to grow on me that the world was really changing dramatically from the old uh, feature phone. In fact, I started before there were mobile phones. We just used the old fixed line phone and Rolodex. And we didn't even have email, actually. So um, as we had more email and internet and 2G and 3G and 4G, and it started spreading into all industries, I, I had a sixth sense for, well, actually, all industry is going to become completely transformed by technology. And it was when Walmart, this big bricks and mortar retailer in the U.S. in 2016, decided to acquire Jet.com, this tech company, for $3.3 billion at a 13 times revenue multiple, you know, as I say to people, I fell out of my chair. I couldn't believe it. And I said, that's it. That's the sign I was looking for, that that the message of technology has truly gotten through. And since then, it has just exploded into so many different industries. And, you know, it is, we talk about sustainability. It's in, it's in everything today. It's in all tech. It's in all industries. We rarely speak with a, a chief executive or a senior decision maker at a large corporate without hearing the word sustainability in some form or another. And look, the good news is that so many of these industries are today considering, you know, investments into tech companies or, or acquisitions like the Walmart acquisition of Jet.com, acquisitions of tech companies, but in line with their overall goal and mission for sustainability. I mean, if you look at the automotive industry, where I think just a few days ago, Jaguar Land Rover here in the UK announced that all cars by 2025 that they make will be electric vehicles. I mean, that's that's pretty big. And that wouldn't have happened probably without Tesla taking the lead and now reaching an you know, evaluation over $800 billion. It wakes people up. I mean, there are things happening today to wake people up. So so all of this uh, effort is, is really couched in sustainability, um, but it's technology at the end of the day. It's the economics that drive this more than, you know, the UN saying in 50 years from now, we should have, you know, a, a, a carbon-free climate or something like that. It is, it's still economics that drives it. And the economics are, are, are allow for it because of technology. 
And I know you authored the book, Go Tech or Go Extinct. And so most of these principles must be discussed in there in some fashion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, I, I wrote the book to help, I don't want to say educate, but just share my journey and my thinking on not only where it's come from, which you know I go into quite a bit in the book just to kind of wake people up a little bit and putting into context, but where it's going. And, and how we can all project forward a bit, two, three, four, five years, 10 years, not to be futurist so much, but just to see what's actually happening in front of us every day. Now, I wrote the book before we had this, this pandemic with the coronavirus. And now I would say, after the last year of lockdowns and all the other issues we've had, most executives understand we're living in a digital world. It's hard to deny that. And the digital world touches everything. So every B2C play, every B2B play, it touches food, agriculture, it touches insurance, banking, finance, it touches automotive, it touches manufacturing and industry, it touches the manufacturing floor and machining tools, it touches everything. And so, uh, yeah, in the book, I, I, I didn't know that we were going to have the pandemic that we did. Um, and I, I didn't know we'd have this turbo charge. Uh, into this digital world that we've had, but but we have, and here we are. And so it's it's actually quite an exciting time because I think a lot of the concerns that companies have had about, well, we're not ready yet for this and we don't know what to do. You know, those concerns are being solved in real time. And many companies are showing the way by, by doing these deals. I mean, Nestle's one in food where uh, for years, Nestle was seen by investors as a lackluster company, not really growing or changing, uh, Dan Loeb of Third Point took a stake and then you know got activist uh, with management and the board. But look what's happened in the last three or four years. It's performed very well. Uh, about two months ago, they decided to acquire Freshly, which is a milk kit company, for $1.5 billion. And that company's been driven pretty much by the tech platform. And in the UK, a week or two later, they acquired Mindful Chef, another, another milk kit company. So these companies are not just waking up, but they're also taking action. And frankly, every week or two that goes by, we're seeing more and more of these deals because, uh, you know, as I said, there's the reality set in that it, digital is, is here. And I know you have tremendous experience in mergers and acquisitions even before founding Aqua Partners. But Aqua Partners is very specifically looking at companies that are tech and focused on agriculture and sustainability, right? Yes. Yeah, so we have uh, we have two core businesses at the moment. So we have what we call it the sell side business. We help companies that are early stage startups, series A, B, C, D, uh, raise capital uh, from typically institutional investors, so VCs, private equity, family offices, et cetera. So we help the companies that we like raise capital. Uh, we are more traditional businesses. We help them sell out in a strategic sale, typically. We don't get involved in IPOs. We're not a broker, but we get involved in a trade sales, strategic sale. Uh, very often, it'll be a minority investment. It'll be a strategic joint venture sometimes. That's our sell side business. And for that business, we're helping anything that is, we call it TMT, technology, communications, telecoms, or, or media, which is internet or typically B2C. But um, increasingly, we're seeing, in terms of most of the activity uh, around food tech and agri-tech, partly because it's early still compared to, say, fintech or autotech, and it's also massive, it's global, and it is completely transformative across the entire value chain. So from alternative protein companies and vertical farming companies, which is the source of the food, 
all the way through to the consumers like you and me, Rye, who are, where are we going to get our food? We can't go to the to the store. It's got to be delivered to us, a meal kit. Uh, maybe it's grocery delivery, or maybe it's, you know, in a year or two, three years, drones delivering food to us. Um, all of these things are happening at light speed, a lot of it behind the scenes that people aren't aware of. So yes, um, that's that's a big part of it in business. The other core business is techquisition is what we call it, which is helping large non-tech corporates find the right tech company, the right digital company to acquire or invest in in a meaningful way that allows that company to really accelerate their stakeholder value. Sometimes it's shareholders who benefit most, but the idea is that it's holistic, that it benefits the entire ecosystem that they play in, their suppliers, the customers have a direct uh, impact from that. I mean, Walmart certainly has been able to deliver incredible value to its customers since it acquired Jet.com because now Walmart.com is, is a genuine competitor to, to Amazon in the U.S. So this business, Techquisition, uh, had a slow start because it was brand new to everybody. Um, now it's really picking up speed. And I think we're, you could say that today we're, uh, we're growing it quite rapidly, hiring people to, to handle the demand. Um, we, but I can say that uh, it's hard to address every single industry. So we work with companies on Techquisition that we don't have to educate. They, they already get it. And maybe we've been talking to them for two or three years. So by now the executive committee has an appreciation for how this is done. But we work with companies, and typically it's got to be the CEO or the board or the executive committee that's bought into this, and they're willing to get serious, not just try it out, but really get serious about, well, what does it mean for us? And there are a lot of implications, and I go into the detail in my book. What does it mean to invest $10 million or $50 million or $100 million or a billion into one of these companies? What does it mean? How do we do it? And why are we doing it? And, and then how do we actually get it done beyond completion? So- from the start, you have to think about the end, not that closing of the deal is the end, but five years out is the end. When GM acquired Cruise, I think they were probably thinking about it already as a reverse acquisition because when they acquired Cruise in 2016, GM was the company that we know most auto companies to be, purely petrol or diesel-fueled combustion engine cars that are driven by human beings. But they said in 2016, in 2026, 2028, every car we make will be electric and it's going to be probably self-driving. And it may not be a car. It may just be a vehicle. There's no need to have a steering wheel or any of that anymore. And they took the decision that we know that's what our world's going to look like. And we know that we're not going to get there relying only on our own people because we just we just can't. Uh, it's not working or it's not going to work. So let's go out and buy the very best company in self-driving technology that helps us, will help us get there. And that's what they did. And look at look at it today. So they paid 600, a little over $600 million cash for a zero revenue software company, uh, which at the time people were poo-pooing and saying, well, that, you know, that doesn't make any sense. That's a huge, that's a huge risk. Uh, why, why do that? Why can't you just do that in, in-house with R&D? Um, and and then a couple of months ago, uh, so by the way, GM has diluted its stake over time by raising more money, uh, billions of dollars into Cruz. And Dan Amon, who was the number two at Cruz, uh, moved to be CEO of, he was the number two at GM, moved to be CEO of Cruz, I think in 2018, which by the way, the Cruz founders applauded. They're like, fantastic. This is great news. We'll relinquish the CEO spot because now we have Dan coming to run this company. It means sure. there's a much higher chance of 
our technology being on millions of vehicles, which is really all they really care about. Anyway, so a couple of months ago, Microsoft invested $2 billion into Cruise at a $30 billion valuation. So these companies are proving uh, the, uh, the whole process of thinking, not just what we have to do to get the deal done, but where are we going to be in 10 years? So when GM made that decision in 2016, I guarantee you they were thinking about what are we going to do with this asset? What are we going to do with their people? How are we going to recruit more people? Which they did do. They went from, I don't know what it was, 25 engineers to, to a couple of thousand today, four years later, and growing. What are we going to, how, what is our big idea? What is our big plan? How are we going to get there? Nothing, of course, works out perfectly to plan, but it was that they had a clear vision of how they were going to, of what they were going to do and why. And, and I think that's very exciting to, to, to everyone. And it's exciting to us for sure. It's exciting to our clients who are the large corporates who have decided now we have to do something. And then once they've decided, it gets fun. And it's not that difficult. The difficulty is in making the decision. So those are our two businesses. Um, it's a little bit of a barbell strategy. I mean, the two want each other. They help each other. We connect the dots. So the more we work with the startup and early stage companies and helping them, the more we're able to help the larger corporates who may think that they know about them because they have a corporate venture capital arm or an incubator. That rarely is the case because that's a remote unit. Uh, sure. What we are talking about is not remote. We're saying that when a large corporate decides to invest in or acquire a digital company, a tech company, because it is strategically and culturally the right fit, then it's the parent company balance sheet. It's the parent company, senior executives, sometimes even the CEO who get directly involved because they understand how strategic it is for them. So it's very important that I believe for our firm to be on both sides actively working all the time. If we only did one thing, if we only helped the large corporates, we'd be out of touch with the, the early stage startups and vice versa. And I still haven't met any other company out there uh, in the world that's doing anything like what we're doing. And there are many companies and consultancy who advise on innovation and incubators and labs and, and you know venture capital funds and setting them up and so on. But very rarely do you meet uh, companies that are at least investment banking firms uh, who are focused on the deal being a major catalyst to the transformation of that parent company while also delivering the future that the startup company and founders have always dreamed of because it's a turbocharge, right? I mean, take Cruise again, GM. The Cruise guys could have gone on to raise five, six, seven more rounds of capital. There wouldn't have been anything wrong with that, but it might've taken a bit longer for them on their own to raise the money and recruit all the people and do everything that they've done compared to having GM say, look, we've got everything you need, except maybe some of the right people, but together we're gonna to go out and find them. We've got everything else. We've got the dealerships. We've got the all the ecosystem around the dealerships. We have the geographical presence globally. We have the training facilities. We have the access to the suppliers to of, of all types of suppliers throughout the entire ecosystem. And for a company like Cruise that would have spent three, four, five, 10 years in some cases, slaving away 24 seven to build all these things bit by bit, when the time was right, you know, the light bulb goes off and they say, this is, this is it. This is the way we get there. This is the fastest way we get there to our dream. And, and that's really the key to these tech acquisitions is to ensure that the founders and entrepreneurs don't feel like they're being imposed upon. So timing is important. It's gotta be the right timing for them. And it also depends on who that partner is. It depends on who is the company. And so a lot of the tech companies think, well, it'll be Google or Microsoft or IBM or someone like that. 
buy us out one day. And I don't think that's the case at all anymore. Um, I think it's very much a enlightened corporate that will do the 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 acquiring. And it's just so that's you know, today so far, there are not that many enlightened corporates, but every day that goes by, we have a few more joining the club where they are becoming enlightened and they are starting to see that, you know, okay, we can, we can get around that problem and that problem and that problem. And it's just limiting beliefs. Like all of us, you know, we humans, we have loads of limiting beliefs. Uh, well, as soon as we get rid of one, there's a new one that pops in. And it's true for companies, you know, it's the DNA. It's like, well, we just, we can't, or we can't, and we've always done things this way. And you know what? You know, that's the case for most of them still. It's the uh, the immune system that kicks in, typically middle management after some time, that's that just says, you know, it's a great idea, but, it, you know, we, we don't want to do it. We can't do it. I mean, we've had several clients in the middle of uh, a process, acquisition process, where um, um, unbelievably capable, talented uh, staff within our client company who know more than almost anybody else about the issue at hand will say, you know what? I think we can do this ourselves. Um, and, and you know, you see people rolling their eyes. That's called NIH, not invented here. And it's everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. It's a real blocker. And I, I, I'm not being negative or critical about it because it's a reality that exists. It always will exist. And in many cases, there's actually nothing wrong with it. It's quite a healthy discipline to have. The key is to notice it, to observe it. And once you notice it, to say, did everybody see that? Is everybody, is, okay, it's good. It's, here it is. It's arrived. It's NIH. Let's talk about it. Let's get it out there. Maybe John is right. Maybe we could do this in-house. Let's talk about it. Okay, if it takes another week or two weeks or or a couple of months to flush it out, that's okay. But let's be aware of it and flush it out. Either that is the right thing to do or it was, you know, we just wanted to check. Uh, we just wanted to check, but now we've checked it. Let's move on and get the deal done. Um, you know, it's, it's the nature of the beast. I mean, there's another argument that says uh, a company only deserves to live as long as a human, 90 or 100 years. If you look at Kodak, I mean, it's a great story because Kodak, the board was aware of the digital camera for years, for 10 years. They knew that they owned patents to the technology. Um, Steve Sassoon, I think, who presented the digital camera to the board, they said, no, that's that's lovely, but actually it's not. We make this beautiful looking uh, photography based on our film. And we own 90% of the market. Why should we do anything else? I mean, that's years away, this digital thing. Anyway, even as it was happening, the share price every single year, down, 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 down. You just let it happen. Um, and so when you look at a case like that, you think, and there are a few others out there. I won't name names now. But I mean, it just happens because some companies were, you know, their DNA, that that was meant to happen. Uh, and we just tend not to work with companies like that. There's There's no point, you know. Companies have to want to help themselves. They have to have a great mission and vision. Um, there's no absolutes here, though. I mean, I, I, I point out Jeff Bezos's uh, apparent comment to an author of a book, I forget his name now, who wrote about Amazon. Uh, I think it was, you know, came out last two or three years, uh, this book. And the author said one of the points that Jeff Bezos made was that he thought the natural life of any companies about large companies in about 30 years. And it's interesting that Jeff is leaving uh, the CEO role after 26 years. So it's four years before his his 30th year. He'll still be chairman, I think. But, um, you know, it, it's just something to think about. It's something to think about. What is the true destiny? We didn't have to think about this much 20 years ago because we didn't have technology as an incredible force of change. We had it within the technology industry. 
in the computer industry with mainframes going to servers, going to PCs, and then ultimately going to you know handheld devices. But uh, automotive industry, the manufacturing industry, paper packaging, food, not really. But now, now absolutely, it's tech everywhere, every part of the value chain chipping away. And so now companies really do have to ask, who do we want to be when we grow up? Do we want to be a leader like a Walmart in the U.S.? Do we want to be like a Walmart that can actually play against Amazon and beat them? And if you're going to be that company and you make that conscious decision, then you have to use Techquisition. I'm convinced of that now. There's, there's, You cannot do that alone. If you say, well, we don't really care. We just want to hang out for the next 10 years and just survive um, so we can continue paying dividends to our shareholders. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that, but just know that's the decision you've made and ensure that your, your team, your staff, your employees know that, that that's who you've decided to be. Or you might say, we can see the writing on the wall for our industry. We're just, we don't have it. We're not going to be able to develop it to, to be one of those winners. So we'd rather sell out to somebody who will be. So you could argue this is a Whole Foods selling out to Amazon. Whole Foods, great business. You can argue about financials and cycles and ups and downs, but Whole Foods had built quite an impressive business and they decided to sell out to Amazon, which was you know an interesting and probably the right move to make. Uh, there are many companies that have made that decision that we were just... We're not going to be number one or or top two or three, possibly over the next five to 10 years. So this would be a good time to sell out before we start that downward slope like Kodak did, because you don't want to be selling out uh, when you're, you know, you're, you're on the, you just don't want to do that. Um, it's the worst form of leverage you could possibly have. Uh, the time to sell something is when you're, you're doing well, you're doing well and you're performing and you've got everything to look forward to. But maybe when you're doing that, you're realizing you know, we, we can't do what we need to do to lead. I, we can't get over our limiting beliefs to do acquisition. Well, then, you know, you, you could exit, as I say in my book. And then the third thing is, you know, you, you can't even exit because it's too late. Uh, you're on the way down and you're not making the decision to invest in or acquire a tech company, which can get you out. So you could be on the way down. Walmart, Walmart as a Fortune 100 or Fortune 50 company in 2015 had lost 35% of its market value. And it wasn't a down market. It wasn't a crash. This is a large corporate. They don't, you know, large corporates tend not to lose that type of value in a year. Uh, Walmart, pretty stable company, but they did because Amazon was on its heels. And uh, and I would say that, you know, Walmart wasn't weak at the time that it made the Jet.com acquisition, but it certainly wasn't operating from a, a position of real strength. Uh, it did have the balance sheet to do that deal. But Companies who are on that downward slope, it's not too late. As long as you make the decision, you can absolutely bounce back. But that's probably the hardest position to do it from uh, because uh, very often you have a dispirited management team. You have a dispirited, dispirited middle, middle management. Um, and, uh, and, and so typically it's the leader who has to make a bold call and make the decision. And that's the best thing they can do because that bold call lifts everybody up. And if you're making the right decision at the right time about the right thing, then then people get excited and they will they will bounce back and get turned on and decide, well, I don't want to leave this company now. I, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay and hang out. I'm going to stay in for the fun. You know, this is going to get this is going to get fun. It's going to get interesting now. So, 
anyway, you've got me off on a tangent there, but that's. Um, I love it. And I, and I appreciate it, Paul, because one of my questions before we started was going to be some of these large companies, they have to have infrastructure. They have to have the R&D resources. Why is acquisition so important? And this has been like a masterclass for me because you can see some of these inefficiencies might be more expensive trying to navigate than buying the tech company that's had nothing to do but focus on that development. And so this is making more sense now. Like, why would Walmart not just create their own Jet.com? Well, they were maybe tied up in their own thinking. Jet.com only had to think about that. And now it makes more sense and increases efficiency for everyone. You're spot on. So most companies we talk to are so focused on what they are already doing around innovation and around you know their R and D and how they're improving and and that's okay, as long as they realize they're not alone and their competition is doing exactly the same thing. And I've recently been saying to people that innovation, it's not enough anymore. You can't just be an innovative company because everyone is innovative. Because if you're not innovative, you are dead. You will not be able to grow. Your customers will leave you for your competition who are being innovative as well today. What you actually need to do is transform. You have to be thinking about how to become a transformative company, transform yourself to where your customers are going. And that has to be more than innovation. And typically, the way you get there is by making the right acquisition of the right company that brings in not just the technology, the the solutions, the know-how. It brings in the team, the team that has fresh ideas for how you're doing what you're doing with your assets so you can sweat them a whole lot better than you are today that you otherwise wouldn't be able to recruit on a one-to-one basis. I don't call it an aqua hire because these deals are not aqua hires. These deals are very much around existing companies that have phenomenal customers. They're selling their product or services in a very successful way. So you're getting all of that and you may be getting new geographies and new territories, You know, sometimes in the back door, but you're getting the team. And uh, the team that decides to join you, because it is a decision, they don't have to sell out to, to you as a large corporate, they, they can sell out to, to almost anyone because you're, you're typically only talking to the very best companies about these kind of deals. But they decide to sell out to you, the large corporate, because they see your vision and they're attracted. Like McDonald's acquired Dynamic Yield in 2019 uh, for $300 million, which was a 19 times revenue, I think. Um, you know, why did Dynamic Yield, a great mobile personalization software company that was selling its solutions to nine or 10 different industries, why did they sell out to one company in the quick service restaurant industry? Because they saw McDonald's vision for the future and they were very excited about what McDonald's could bring to them and help them continue to grow in other industries, but also within the quick service restaurant industry, help make McDonald's by far the very best company there is for the customers. So, I mean, it's a great topic. We could talk for hours about it. You're absolutely right that, um, you know, the, the, the one of the greatest dangers that large corporates have and mid-sized companies have is they, they fall in love with their own optimization program. They're creating efficiency. They've got this new software uh, license. They've got a relationship with a systems integrator. And we're, we started automating this and we're digitizing that. That's good. But it absolutely is not enough. And in fact, it could end up being your downfall 
because it becomes a crutch or it distracts you or you think because you're doing it, you don't have to do anything else. So you're absolutely right. Well, I've always used the term adapt or die when it comes to business, but I do like go tech or go extinct. I feel like that sounds a little bit more kosher. So, (laughs) Paul, thank you so much for the opportunity to spend some time with you today. Where can the audience connect with you more and find the book? Uh, Thanks, Ryan. Well, they can find the book uh, anywhere you would normally buy books. So Amazon and Apple Books, and it's on Audible now. So if you don't read anymore like me, you like to listen to books, you can get it on Audible. Um, in terms of finding me, you can you can find me on the on the internet, Googling me or my firm, Aqua Partners, uh, which I guess you can see there on the screen. Uh, it's not too hard to find us today. But um, yeah, happy to happy to talk to anybody who's interested in talking with you. Awesome. And thank you so much for tuning in to our first episode of The Ones to Watch by Aqua Partners. We hope you tune in, follow our journey, meeting incredible entrepreneurs that are helping move and inspire the world. So thank you so much. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, Ryan. Perfect. Thanks for listening to The Ones to Watch podcast. If you're interested in sharing your company's story and joining us as a guest on the show, please visit www.aquapartners.com slash podcast slash apply. If you liked what you heard, please also visit me and my firm Aqua Partners on LinkedIn and connect. We're always keen to expand our networks and engage with like-minded individuals. Also, please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Once again, I'm Paul Quattracasas. Thanks for listening the Ones to Watch podcast.